Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild, where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. We're back on Warden's Watch Wild with Alex A. Saran, like Saran Wrap. <laughs> That's how I'm going to remember <laughs> it from now on. Uh, <laughs> but now we're going to be uh, we're going to d- delve in a little more about uh, moose, which uh, is a huge uh, topic. Everybody loves moose, whether you have them hanging in your your house or you have a you know Merry Christmas or or all, all these moose, but I will say I've always found that everybody loves moose, and I'm certainly one of those guys. And Alex A. has done some research, is doing some research to, on moose. I think it's cutting edge, and it's uh, exciting. And, uh, boy, to share it to our Warden's Watch Wild listeners is, is pretty awesome, Alex A. So thanks again for joining us and talking about moose and what you're up to. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Yeah, 
I, I before I move on here, I just realized that I never gave credit to the folks that I worked with before. So my I was doing work through with Martin through my masters with the University of New Hampshire and Pete Peekins, who's retired now. And then I did with a lot of the snowshoe hair work was with the University of Massachusetts and the Northeast Climate Adaptation Science Center with uh, Dr. Tony Morelli. So I did my dissertation with her. And so what I spoke on before was all with those folks. And what I'm doing now with Moose is with the um, the Vermont Co-op Unit and it's a collaborative, collaborative regional project with the Vermont Co-op Unit, USGS Co-op Unit, and the Massachusetts Co-op um, Research Unit, uh, along with University of Massachusetts, um, uh, University of Vermont. And we're also teamed with a lot of the state agencies in the region and the federal agencies in the region and also working with SUNY ESF and Syracuse. And it's just a really great project. And I'm just one person in that project trying to figure out how to how how can we monitor moose moving forward and and monitor ticks as well to be mm. to better understand you know any type of management options that we have to be able to kind of control and you know, mitigate some of the losses that populations have experienced as a result of the winter tick um, uh, popular winter ticks that are causing um, die-offs of those in the region. Yeah, I think we're going to delve in on another Warden's Watch Wild on ticks. So we will. Okay, especially... I'll stay away from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good idea, but we could definitely need to talk about the ticks uh, and how they're affecting the moose and everything because it, it is certainly um, substantial. So Yes, very much. And really seeing is believing. You know, I had winners out there in between my master's and my PhD work, and I was doing tech work for, for Pete Peekins, Dr. Peekins. And monitoring these animals for winter and seeing that the only thing they were dying from was winter ticks to me was really like, it was all the proof that I needed. It was really incredible and pretty devastating. So mm. I won't say anything more about that because you're going to have conversations with other folks about it, but um, it's why I guess I am so excited to be, to be doing this moose research, um, to be able to kind of from the ecologist and me is really interested in, in their, that relationship and understanding it more and being able to kind of use different ecological theories to be able to figure out how to up, um to figure out how to manage them moving forward. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about moose and, and um, let's do it. Yeah. So what is the project and how are you trying to accomplish? And um, the, I, I, yeah, can you just fill yeah. us in? Absolutely. So in my previous work um, um, for my dissertation work at the University of Massachusetts, we developed a camera network across Vermont and in New Hampshire. We were using cameras to monitor both climate. We we're monitoring snowpack and also monitoring wildlife. The focus then was a lot on carnivores, but in the course of collecting data uh, from 260 cameras spread across both states and all through the mountains, we, were, we had the most data collected on moose. We had over 60,000 pictures of moose um, detected on those cameras. And we were able to do a lot with that data to be able to monitor number of calves that were born each year and factors that are influencing uh, cows with calves and, and moose distribute, what influences moose distribution in the region. So we figured that this is a good monitoring tool um, that we can use um, for monitoring moose. And so what we've done now is we've expanded that existing camera network to include Maine and also to include Massachusetts and to include um, uh, the Adirondacks as well in New York. 
Um, and so we've expanded to three extra states. So we're covering five of the northeastern states where we're monitoring moose and involving the state agencies and all these different and the federal agencies within these different states to be able to figure out how to monitor moose um, with the intent that we're also going to be including other data that we're collecting along the way. So we're going to be collecting scat and urine data from, and so the scat and moose urine data that we data that we collect will help us predict survival and also reproduction. So we can use that data to be able to get that type of data that you can't always get from cameras. You may get a picture of a moose, but you know whether or not that moose is going to survive, or how many animals is going to you know how 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 it's going to contribute to the population. Mm-hmm. But collecting urine, you're able to get um, information on whether or not that animal is going to survive through the winter if you're collecting it during the winter. You can also collect the data from the scat and be able to get genetic information um, and also information on reproduction to be able to get, you know, indices of, of reproduction and survival. And so combined, you can use all that. We're also collecting data on ticks. And so we're going to be doing, we have the, the focus of the, folk, the people that are working out of UMass are going to be able to figure out how do we monitor ticks in a really efficient, um, cost-effective way and to do that across the, re- the region. Because there seems to be a very similar um, relationship, a re- similar dynamic with with snowshoe hares. That if their density is actually lower, that they are going to that will help them escape um, uh, the problems associated with high winter tick um, with winter tick epizootics, where winter ticks are so um, where winter ticks can influence your productivity and survival of calves and your twinning rates. So that's what we're that's what we're doing is putting a regional monitoring together network together to be able to track moose populations over time. You can use the camera data, the data we get from scat and urine data, and then the tick data to be able to to create an inner what's called an integrated population model. So we can we can figure out what populations are doing in northern Maine, what's what's going on with populations in southern New Hampshire and northeastern Vermont. So it's a way to, for us to work together and have standardized protocols. So the, the big heavy lift of all this is there's just so much data coming in, figuring out really effective ways to manage that data mm. and to be able to analyze it quickly and have it come back out to the managers to say, hey, this is what's going on based on the data that we're collecting. And so the folks at UVM, specifically my, my, my supervisor, Dr. Terry Donovan, and another postdoc, um, I'm actually at the University of Vermont now through the Vermont Co-op Unit, and I'm a postdoc researcher. And the other uh, postdoc researcher at University of Vermont is a, a computer scientist. He's also an ecologist as well. And both Terry and, and Larry, Larry Klarfeld, are just incredible, incredible uh, data scientists and what they're able to do with creating a platform and a way for us to be able to uh, integrate all these data together to be able to monitor moves. So that's a huge part of it. And so they're also working with um, artificial intelligence or what Larry calls computer vision to be able to get all of our camera data that comes in and and have a um, computer algorithms tag the data that comes in on the picture. So if it's a moose, it'll guess that it's a moose. So there's working on developing algorithms to automatically do that because that's with a lot of camera data work. That's a lot of the work is actually mm. tagging all those individual photographs and you get millions of them. 
And so that's, you know, be, being able to increase the efficiency of that is really, really important. So there's a lot of different working parts and we're really working together with a lot of different agencies and, and, um, and institutions and volunteers to be able to, uh, to figure out a way to monitor moves moving forward in the face of a changing climate and also different changes in land use. And, you know, certain areas are going to be logged more extensively and certain areas won't be. And so those are two situations where you have a different landowner who wants to create a conservation easement where areas aren't going to be managed as much. That'll have certain impacts on moose. And then you have certain landowners that are going to be doing maybe more intensive management, and that'll have certain impacts on moose as well. So it's not just that the climate's changing, but how we manage the land is is changes as well. There's a moving window there. So it's really, it requires a lot of regional effort to a strong regional and unified effort to be able to figure out how to monitor this iconic species moving forward. Yeah. It sounds like uh, that data is a different animal for sure. <laughs> Not yes. to play on words, but man, that's, that, that's overwhelming. And to, for people to understand that to managing it, I, I remember Jason Philippi telling me the hardest part about podcasting was to manage all your recordings. And he is absolutely <laughs> right. It gets away yeah. from you. And yeah, that just, just trying to, to find what you're looking for when you need it and things like that. So yes, I, I can't even imagine. And I remember just in what you did with your masters, you going through every picture to identify every picture taken to identify it. And then, yeah, that's crazy. With the urine and the in the scat samples there, is that going to do individual information or is that just general information? That does individual information. So Pete Beacon and his graduate students, including Henry Jones as the most biologist for UNH, and then the folks at, U, um, at University of Vermont have worked um, in tandem on efforts to be able to develop this method. And so they're following individual moose. You're going out in the field, you're following a protocol where you go and you search for moose 24 to 72 hours after a snowfall and you have to have snow on the ground and you go and you backtrack a cow and a calf and you find, you differentiate between the cow and the calf and you follow that calf till you can actually find an area where uh, it pees in the, and, and then you collect the, the, the snow urine from that and put it in a bag and it's analyzed in a lab. And there's certain ratios of ureic nitrogen and creatinine, ureic creatinine. And if they're high or above a threshold of like 3.5, which is the magic number during March, that really kind of is linked to winter ticks taking their blood mill. And it, what it, it's showing is that it's really uh, creating stress on that animal. And it, as far as their nutrition is concerned, and ratios above 3.5 during March you are highly predictive of death of mortality. And so if you're a calf and you're, we find a urine sample from you during March and it's above that pretty much means you're going to die. You're not going to make it. So this is a real strong physiological link um, to nutritional um, restriction. Um, and that's the, what the urine um, method affords it, 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 information on nutritional condition, but also survival. So that's great. And so then the, a lot of the other work with SCAT is being able to collect data on stress hormones. And so the researchers at university of Vermont have found a strong length to uh, collecting the scat and measuring the stress hormones in the, in the scat to, 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 as a predictor of survival. And so, um, yeah, so that's how you're, so it's individual animals that you're getting that information from. But, but of course, if, you know, if we collected my urine and I'm, 
and the on the only animal you collected on, you can't say anything about the population, right? No. So you'd have to go and sample an entire area and you'd have to have a high enough sample size to be able to collect enough data from a certain amount of moose. And what we found is that you typically need more than 40 samples per like if Northern New Hampshire, if you wanted to get a population estimate on, on survival rates in, uh, from urine, then you'd have to collect 40 or more samples for that area to have an accurate estimate of, of, of um, moose survival for that region. Wow, so, uh, that's labor intensive in itself to find 40 samples within that snow time. It is. So we did that last year and Maine participated in it as well. And we just had deteriorating conditions and we've all seen this, you know, last year spring came really early. So when we were trying to collect this in March, it was challenging because we didn't get the snow and then it was warm. And so the snow was melting quick. So it was, it was a real challenge. That's the other thing. Some of these techniques are also influenced by climate change as well to have an impact. And that's why a lot of these countries have switched to cameras like Scandinavia switched to cameras. They used to always do snow track surveys and they do them on skis, um, especially for their link surveys, but they don't get those conditions that they used to. And so they've had to resort to cameras as being their method for monitoring these wildlife species because they're not dependent on snow. So, yeah, so we'll see. That's what we're trying to actually work on now is how can, you know, what, when, when should we sample um, using scat and urine and how many samples do we need for combining both of those methods as well. Nice. Well, thanks for uh, updating us what's going on. And people always want to know what's going on with the moose population. What are we doing to, to find out what's going on? And uh, certainly that answers a lot of our questions, Alex. I, I really appreciate yeah. you talking at Warden's Watch Wild uh, about moose uh, and the research that's ongoing. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Wayne. Take care. Have a good one. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild, where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, 